We're in the middle of a series called Taking Back Monday, and we're talking about work. And I think there's a lot of people who dread Monday because they dread their job, they dread going to work. And so the idea here is we want to redeem Monday. We want to take it back so that it's not something we dread. It's not something that we find purposeless, but it's a day of the week that we find purposeful and a day that we see meaning in. Because if something like your work is hard or unpleasant, you can still endure and find joy if there's purpose in it. That's one thing that's unique about humans is that we can do hard stuff. We can do unpleasant stuff as long as we see purpose in it. We can keep going. We can keep striving, even with pain and unpleasantness, as long as we see a reason for what we're doing. Uh, last week, I started off by talking about worst jobs ever, and we got a good one from uh, Larry. Um, but it's funny, all the people that came up to me after the service like, I did that when I was in the military. And it's, uh, I thought, well, then you should have been raising your hand, because I, I haven't done anything like that before. And if you weren't here, just pray that you, prayers of gratitude that you've never done what they have done. Um, but today, I want to, uh, the other thing I like talking about with worst jobs is, is first jobs. Because your first job isn't necessarily the job you, you, know, you scoured to find something that was perfect and meaningful. You just needed gas money. Like you just needed some income so you could eat out every now and then or you know, cruise the lap in wherever town you grew up in with your, with your friends or whatever you needed to do. Um, my first job was cleaning cars. I didn't work for anybody. I started... I started my own company. That's very loose terminology. Uh, basically, my mom, she does fingernails and has my whole life at our house, and, and I just put a flyer up that I would wash, wax, and detail cars and a price list, and I started cleaning cars. And I, I, could, I started cleaning cars before I was old enough to drive cars, interestingly, and I did it for several summers, and I would do it, um, let's see, I did it at my house for a while, and then once I got older, me and a buddy, we started uh, washing cars together at his house in town, and the thing about washing cars is um, that it taught me, it taught me that human beings are animals. <laughs> it taught me human beings are animals and that chicken nuggets will last forever. <laughs> I don't, some of those, it's like, this has been there for years, had to have been. There's no way somebody looked in this little cr- cr- you know, crack in the floor and there's a whole nugget there and it looks like it just came out of the Happy Meal, you know? It's like, why did it, which I have some concerns with, but whatever. Um, uh, one time I found... Uh, what I can only guess to be a dropped package of gummy bears that had become one with the carpet. And, and it was a little bit, you know, part of cleaning a car, you feel like a CSI. You know, you're in there like, what could that, what happened here? What events transpired to make such a horrible mess, you know? And, and uh, so I found stucker, sick, suckers stuck in any place you could possibly imagine. And uh, I've cleaned so many cars that you'll notice if you ever get close enough. Mine are never washed because I just am so sick of cleaning cars. It got so bad to the point where uh, my kids are now like, Dad, we should clean this. And it's like, I know. I should be quiet. You're the reason it's dirty anyway. Go, you know, it's your problem, kid. Um, but one of the best things um, that um, work policies, if you will, that me and my buddy instituted once we started cleaning cars together uh, was after we had spent the day, you know, washing, waxing, detailing. And, I mean, we did it. We got the trunks. We got the door jams. I mean, you Q-tipped all the vents. I mean, we really went all out. We ran next all the windows. We really tried to do it in a pristine job on these cars. Um, but we would take what we called the victory lap. And we would take these nice cars that we had just cleaned, and we would drive them one lap around the cruise lap in Fairfield. 
Um, now, it just so happened that the cruise lap went by the pool with all the pretty lifeguards as well. That was a side benefit. But we'd drive by and honk at the lifeguards as we were driving these cars that were so nice we had no business driving them. Um, the best one was, I don't remember the year, but it was like a steel blue Jaguar. And it had leather seats. I mean, you felt like James Bond driving that car because every, everything in it was like hidden. Like you touch a little panel, it goes pshh. And it flips over and it's an ashtray or I mean, everything just kind of came out of nowhere and so we drive by and like honk at the lifeguards and it wasn't until years later that I looked back and I thought technically I bet that could be considered grand theft auto like we we were taking these cars that we they entrusted to us we had the keys and everything but uh, we probably shouldn't have taken them on the cruise lap but all we thought about was getting some attention you know from and and we'd done the hard work and we felt like we deserved it um so I don't know what your first job was, but I'm guessing it wasn't the greatest job in the world. It wasn't something that brought you purpose, meaning to your life. You just needed to do it to get gas money. Um, and hopefully you've progressed maybe a little bit, but maybe you still feel like your job is that way. It's just something to pay the bills. It's not something you love, but it's a job and you need to have a job to take care of yourself and your family. Well, as we start getting into this series, what I want to do is, or this sermon today, I want to build off of what we did last week. And if you weren't here, let's recap just a little bit. Or if you were here, let's refresh your memory. We started by just looking at where work started. And so we went to Genesis chapter 1 because, believe it or not, work has been around as long as people has been, have been around. And so we learned last week that God created work. It was his idea. So when you have to get up early tomorrow and the alarm goes off at 6 a.m. and you think, ah, this is God's fault. That's what you need to think. He did it. It was his idea. He did that to us. But the second thing we learned was that God made humans for work, that he meant for work to be a part of our lives from the very beginning. That was his plan. And even more so, we learned that God gave us work as a blessing. And maybe you hear that, all those things, and you think, that's not incredibly helpful. Because if it, if it was God's idea, if he invented it, then he made a mistake. And if he meant for work to be a part of our life, well, then he's mean. And if he wanted work to be a blessing in my life, well, then he should have given me a different boss. So maybe you hear all that stuff and you say, that doesn't help me. That's not very helpful to my life. That's not very practical to my life. That doesn't help me go into work on Monday and, and live a more purposeful uh, existence. Well, all I wanted to accomplish last week was I wanted to start to put together God and work. And let me just say something about work, too. When I say work, I don't just mean your 9-to-5 job. I don't just mean a place where you clock in, clock out, where you fill out papers for human resources and all of that jazz, right? I don't just mean that. Yes, I mean that. And yes, that's kind of the primary focus of the series. But the m bigger idea is just the idea of doing work. Whether you are a stay-at-home parent, whether you uh, are retired, you still probably help somewhere, do some work, have a part-time job, something. Even if you're young, so young, you don't have a job, or maybe you do a little bit like I did, you just kind of wash cars as you got the time to wash cars. Whatever you do, this is about the idea of doing work. And God gave us work, intended for us to do work as a blessing for our lives. And so as we start to knit together God and work, all I wanted to do last week was simply help you start to place your trust into God's hands and say, God, even when I can't see it, even when I can't feel it, I trust that you meant for work to be a blessing to me. You meant for work to be a part of my life for a good and beneficial reason. And so the purpose, your purpose at work, and what we're going to look at today, your purpose at work starts with the work that God is doing in you. Your purpose at work starts with the purpose 
and the work that God is doing in you. Because for those of us who are believers, for those of you who have put your faith in Christ, daily you are being molded and sculpted into something better, something new by the power and transforming work of God. You are getting shaped into being something better than you used to be. And so as we start to piece that together, the work of God in you, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians today. If you want to get a Bible out, uh, we'll be in Ephesians. If you uh, don't have a Bible, the black one should be near you. The verses will be on the screen. The Bibles are handy, though, because sometimes I move on and you want to kind of hang around and look at a verse while I'm still talking. But we'll be in Ephesians chapter 2. It's on 976 in the Pew Bibles, if you want to get there. 976, and we'll start in verse 1. And what is being said here, this is written by the Apostle Paul. Um, he was writing to a church that was in Ephesus, and he was, uh, he's trying to start to kind of put together and show that um, with Christians, there's a before and after. Okay, you ever seen like the, you, the weight loss photos is the most, or the workout st- gear, there's always a before and after photo, okay? That's essentially what he's doing here. He's given us the before and after of before Christ and after Christ, and the effect he should have in our life. He says this, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. That's the work of Satan is what he's talking about, the influence of Satan. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. And so basically what he's saying here is that before we came to Christ, the only thing that Things that guided our behavior were what culture said, what the world around us said was okay, and what we felt like doing. I mean, we, I'm going to do this because I feel it's going to be fun. I think this is going to feel good. I want to have that job. I want to have those things. I want to have that much money. I want to drive that kind of car. I want to go to that place. We were driven by our passions, our cravings that lived inside of us. The only major drivers of our lives were what culture said was okay, what culture says we should do, and what we thought felt fun. And there's a problem with those things being the major driver of your lives. Because, yes, at times, those two drivers can lead you to do good things, okay? Because, for one, sometimes it feels good to be nice and kind and to serve and to volunteer. There, there's a sense of uh, personal reward when you help people and do something selfless. And our culture will oftentimes reward you for being kind and helping and volunteering and giving to worthy causes, okay? But there's also times when it feels really good to be selfish. There's times when it feels really good because uh, to be rude to a person who's rude to you. There's times when it feels really good when you're running late and you're stressed and somebody is driving a little too slow for your comfort. It feels good to whip your car in the other lane, floor it, drive by them and whip back in the other lane. You might not even look at them or show any hand signals, okay? But just that whipping of your car, you know that's in a message, right? That feels good to show them how silly and foolish they are and how bad of a driver they are because you're important and you can whip your car around because you're fast, you're important, whatever it is, you know? And, and so it, sometimes it feels good to be lazy when you know you need to get up and do stuff. I mean, probably a lot of us in here, we have things in our house that need to be cleaned. And we did not do those things because we just didn't want to. It felt good to sit rather than get up and 
spray things and scrub things and dust things and vacuum things, right? It feels good to be those things. Sometimes it feels good to spend our money recklessly to get things that we want, new toys, whether it's a big toy like a car or, or a smaller toy like something that fits in your pocket and you can play games on. It feels good to have those things, even if you're spending money recklessly and putting your family in financial territory that's not incredibly stable, but it feels good, right? And so there's not always a good direction when your life is led only by your cravings, only by what culture says, hey, you need to have this, you need to go do this. And so when you take this idea of being driven by your, what you want to do into your workplace, well, okay, what does culture say about work? You don't need to give your all. You, need, you don't need to get, get, uh, you know, really succeed or do your job to the best of your ability. Sometimes a lot of people just say, you just got to get through the day. That you're, everybody's working for the weekend, right? Like, that's the idea of work. It's not working hard. You just got to get through the day so you can get back to your real life when you're not at work, right? That's the idea that culture tells us. But what feels good when you go to work, it, let's say if your boss is not a nice person. Let's say they're a jerk who always gets on everybody and yells at everybody for doing something wrong, but never praises anybody for doing anything good. What feels good then? To do the bare minimum, why would you work hard for somebody who's going to do that? Why would you work hard for somebody who's going to yell at you? you? It feels good to waste the time that they are giving you to work. It feels good to only do just enough to not get yelled at. It feels good to turn your job into a run-out-the-clock situation. Um, one of the, I shared some statistics last week. One of the ones I held back until this week is this. 69% of American employees admit to wasting significant time at work every day. Now, there's a word in there I want to draw your attention to, and it's this, admit. Because that means not 69% of people waste work, only 69% of people are willing to admit that they waste significant time at work. That means that it's probably a little bit higher than that, okay? It's probably somewhere maybe in the 80s, I would guess, okay? Because what do you do at work? What can you do at work? You know, like extra long bathroom breaks? you got to run some papers to another department. Well, you're going to take the long way around. You're going to walk through every other department just to get to that department. You're going to talk to everybody you see on the way and waste some time on that little trip. There's a reason why Facebook's most heavily trafficked hours are between 9 to 5. Like, why? Because we are at work. And, you know, workplaces, they start to block it on your computers. Nice try. You know, I could just get out my phone and get on Facebook right there. You don't need that kind of stuff, okay? There's even applications that you can install on computers, and this probably isn't helpful. Um, anyway, I'm going to try to encourage you to not do these things. So that's just, this, this, is it. this is in the before shot. Let's keep that in mind. But there are applications you can install on your computer where you can just hit, like, two keys, and whatever you're working on, it will jump and make your screen at a moment look like your work stuff. It'll jump between Facebook to back to your work stuff just with a couple of shortcuts just so you don't get caught wasting time and get in trouble so that you can keep that going. Um, I've even known some people, and I'm talking about myself, who have invented games to get themselves through the workday. Whether you play it by yourself, uh, I wonder how many of these I can get done in a day if you got a job that's repetitive, or uh, just you got a buddy who thinks work needs to get you got to run out the clock. You ever had one of those work compadres that you both just knew you were running out the clock, and they were kind of the person that helped you get through the day and make it bearable? Um, you can make a game with them, and you do something. Um, I mentioned last week that I worked as a security guard at this factory. Now, the buddy that I washed cars with, we were great friends all through high school. Uh, 
he had been a, a security guard for about three months before I got the job. And so when I got the job, they decided I needed to spend a few work shifts with different people to kind of learn, you know, what it's like on a Saturday night versus a work day. And I had to try that. Well, I got to spend three days with a guy who just graduated high school with me in a huge factory with no other adult supervision. And so I mentioned I had this, like, we had these, like, industrial golf carts. That's how we made our little rounds to the factory. Well, other departments had them as well. So we swiped one from the shipping department, and we would play, we would race in these. So we had three days, three eight-hour days, and we would race on these golf carts, and it was great because one accelerated faster, but one had a better top speed, and so you could really, like, match them out. Um, we had to, uh, one time we played hide-and-seek with the carts, in this huge factory, I was like, ready, go, count to 20, you know, and you're cruising through. There was one time he was on my tail, and I remember I was coming out of the shipping department, and I was driving by, and they got the humongous, you know, uh, slide-down doors, and I ran by, and I just hit the button as I drove out the ramp, and he was trying to do, like, the Indiana Jones and go into the door, and the door shut on his cart, and he went, and it, like, wedged him in the door, and we thought we'd broken everything. We thought, oh, no, it's my first day. I'm going to get fired, and um, but we didn't. But why did we do that? Do we care about the job? Do we care about keeping the factory safe? No. It was fun. We wanted to do what was fun. We wanted to do what got us through the eight hours, you know, and that's how we did it. But the idea behind work, the idea behind not just work, let me say it, but, but being transformed in Christ, it means that it's no longer about you. Your life isn't about all your cravings. Your life isn't about just your desires and what feels good anymore. But Jesus is shaping you, molding you into something better. And so then we get into the part of the story where Jesus enters the equation and life change starts to happen. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. But God. So before you were like this, but now. But God. Being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. So not that we deserved it. Not that we were awesome. Not that we were on our best behavior and God thought, I like those people. They're doing really good. I'm going to save them. No. While we were at our worst, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Meaning he gave us salvation. So that in the coming ages, we might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that no one can boast. The works there is not talking about work, going to work. It's talking about spiritual work, religious work, like, oh, I gave a bunch, so now I'm a good person. I, I helped that person. I served them, and I was nice, so now I got more credits with God. He's saying, no, salvation is the free gift, and it's a transforming work of God, and that when God comes into your life, when Christ gets into you, he starts to change you, and no longer is your life meant to be selfish, but you live for his purposes. No longer is it about whatever you want to do. It's about what your heavenly Father put you here to do. And so your heavenly father, he starts to recreate you uh, over time. He starts to make you into a better person than you used to be. And then we get to the next verse, verse 10, which is just, there's so much packed into verse 10, and it's, it's just an amazing verse that kind of blows this all wide open. He says, for we, Christians, we are God's workmanship, okay? Workmanship is a word that means a divine creation, not something that showed up, but something that showed up by the very work and touch of God. 
Last week we looked at the story of when humans were created and how work came into our life at creation. Well, this verse is saying that when we give our lives to Christ, we get recreated in a sense. He starts to rework us into being the people that he originally created us to be before sin and selfishness and all of that junk got its claws in us. He starts to recreate us. We as Christians, we are God's work, God's recreated works, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so it's saving, saying, in the salvation process, it starts with becoming a Christian. God starts to recreate us. We are his workmanship, his handiwork, so that we can be something new. So that we can be recreated for a, and remolded for, to be a better human being so that our lives are no longer just about us, it's no longer just about our cravings. It's no longer just about, like, what's fun getting me through the day? What's the best, most fun way to spend my money? Or, I, you know, I want this kind of car, or I want that kind of person to be in my a relationship with. It's not just about what feels good and what our hungers are, but it's about something more, something bigger than just ourselves. And, excuse me, and when it says that we were created, let me go back one little slide here. It says that he created for us, recreated us in Christ Jesus to do good works. Um, again, that word works there, it's not nine to five job. It's, it just means that he has work for us to do in this world. In that um, God is, he has a mission going on in this world that he is going to, he wants to reach and save as many people as possible so that they can be redeemed and have salvation in heaven just like we do, those of us who are believers. And he says, I have picked you. I have set aside good works for you and you and you and you and you, all of us. He has set aside good work for us so that we can play a part in that grand mission. He is inviting us in to play a part of this amazing purpose of saving the human race, according to Christ Jesus. And he says that we are here for a reason, that we have been recreated. He, we have been given purpose and meaning, gifts, abilities, passions, proclivities, and a personality so that we can go out into this world and do good things. Share Christ no matter where we go, not just in church, but the grocery store, the bank, your work, your home. Everywhere we go, we have this overarching purpose of living for and showing Jesus. And that extends even to our workplace. And so, another way you could say this is that you are a work of God created to work with God. You are a work of God created to work with God. He has purpose and work for you to do. And it starts with the work that he is doing in you to change you and shape you away from selfishness, away from doing whatever you want to do, and to lead you to a better life, a purposeful life that makes a real difference. And the thing is that all those abilities and gifts and things that God is, has put in you from birth, some of them he's given you when you became a Christian, however God is creating you and recreating you, whatever those gifts and talents and abilities are, he expects you to use them. Now that might be shocking because there is this idea that we serve God only in the church building. That God's work, ministry, only happens in these small walls. And that is the most ridiculous thought that has ever been put into the church. It will kill your ability to live out a purposeful life when you think, I only serve God here. 
it's more than that. It's meant to go everywhere you go. Like I said, even into your workplace. So let's just think about how does it work when you go to work and you are going to be living not for what you want to do, not what culture says about work and just getting through to the weekend. What happens when God has put you into a workplace and you think, I have a purpose to reach people for Jesus here? Well, when your boss is rough, rather than checking out and doing the bare minimum because he or she doesn't deserve your full effort, instead you meet his or her meanness with kindness, you meet the criticisms with humility, and you give your full effort at work. Why? Because when you took the job, you said, I will work this amount of time for this amount of money. And the integrity move is to hold up your end of the bargain, even if they don't deserve you to give your all. Even if your boss is mean, even if the people you're around are horrible people, your life isn't driven by them. Your life isn't driven by what you want to do. Your purpose is given to you by your heavenly father. And the right thing to do, the integrity thing to do, is to give your all. So let's say they don't deserve your effort. Well, when you give everything you've got, someone says, why do you work so hard at this job? Well, I don't know. God just kind of is working in my life, and I feel like I need to be a person of integrity and a person of character, and I said I would work these hours, and so I'm going to work. I'm not going to waste my time on Facebook. I'm going to work, because that's what I said I would do. And maybe you say, well, they don't pay me enough to work, Anthony. Well, then you shouldn't have made that agreement to work there for that amount of money, or you, that person, that boss doesn't deserve it. Then maybe you shouldn't have made the agreement to work there. The integrity thing to do is to honor that agreement. And so you treat all your coworkers with respect, not because they're people deserving of respect, but because God has given you a purpose to share Christ with them, because they are people, children that he loves, that he hopes will be in heaven one day, and he has placed you there to hopefully have an influence in their life. And so your purpose at work might not come from your work. It comes from God. It comes from your heavenly Father who put you there for a reason and for a purpose. And only when, only when you start allowing your God and his purpose into your workplace can Monday become as worshipful as Sunday. And far too often, we limit how, how we worship God to this day of the week because we think it can only happen here. And we don't see our purpose and our meaning outside these walls. But if Christ has touched your life, if he, has, if he is starting to work in you and change in you, that means he's given you a purpose and he's given you a place and he's given you abilities to share him with people. Um, Martin Luther, who lived hundreds of years ago, addressed this topic because, believe it or not, People thinking that serving God is only in the church, only happens in, the, in a certain building, in a certain spot on a map, once a week, one hour, two hours a week. That's not a new idea. That's not a brand new thing we just came up in the 2000s, okay? This has been going on for hundreds of years. This is Martin Luther. He said, the idea that service to God should happen only in the church is without a doubt the worst trick of the devil. How could the devil have led us more astray than by the narrow conception that working with God takes place only in the church. The whole world should abound with service to God. Every corner of the world should abound with service to God. Not only in churches, but in the home, the workshop, and the field. You see, your work for God doesn't stop when you leave church. Your God should color every part of your life. The influence he has in, your, has in you and your heart, that should kind of overflow out into every corner of your life, even your workplace. You have purpose there. 
Just the same way you have purpose at home, just the same way you have purpose with friends and family, it goes everywhere. And so your purpose from work, it does not come from work. And so I understand your job isn't perfect, none of them are, but you have a bigger and better purpose than what your workplace has to offer you. You get to walk in there tomorrow morning with work from God. You get to walk into work tomorrow and work for your creator. You have a bigger, better boss than the one that you actually uh, maybe is listed on, on the hierarchy chart of your workplace. And so you get to go tomorrow and you get to take Monday back. You get to take it back from mediocrity. You get to take Monday back from complacency. You get to take it back from distractions and all the daydreams of where you'd rather be. You get to take back Monday for God to be a day of purpose in your life. You get to take back Monday so that it can be a day where you show every single person that you encounter that God saved you and that he can save them. And you get to show them what can happen when God gets a hold of a human being and remakes them every day for his purpose. So don't hate your work. You go there tomorrow with something better. You go there tomorrow with a bigger purpose handed to you, hand-delivered to you by God. And the biggest mistake you can make is thinking your purpose is that your work should give you purpose in life. No, 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 that's not how it works. God has given you a purpose, and that purpose travels with you everywhere you go, even into work tomorrow. So do not miss that purpose from God. You are a work of God created to work with God. So take back Monday. Let's pray. Father, we are so incredibly grateful for the purpose you give us. Because everything in this life, it's going to disappoint. Even if we love our jobs, there's going to be times it disappoints. Even if we love our family and love our home, there's going to be times when our life there and our, our role there is a little disappointing and, and lackluster. Lord, even if we love our friends, there's going to be seasons where they disappoint. And if we are going to walk through this life trying to glean purpose from all these other places, it's just not going to stick. The purpose that we have, though, that comes from you, it never fades. You have put us here. You are remaking us daily so that we can make a difference in this world for you. I pray that we don't forget that. I pray that we don't lose that. I pray that we don't underestimate the power that you have put into the lives of just us, regular people, everyday people, that your power in us makes us something extraordinary, and you give us this ability to reach out into our, into our lives and and. and, and Show people your grace and your mercy. And I pray that we don't underestimate what you can do through us when we're open to the purpose you've placed in our hearts and in our lives. So thank you for all you've done to make Monday as worshipful to you as Sunday. Thank you that our purpose doesn't stop when we walk out the doors at church on Sunday, but that it goes with us every other day of the week. And so thank you, Father, for all you do. Thank you for purpose. Thank you that our lives don't have to be meaningless and that this huge chunk of our lives at work, it's not, purpose, it's not purposeless and meaningless. No, we always have a purpose and it comes from you. Thank you for that gift. We pray all this in Jesus' good and holy name. Amen.